0: the opportunity to preach the Word of God. Uh, I would just mention that this morning uh, is the first morning that we're going to try to live stream on Sermon Audio. So that's not an excuse for you to stay home next week and, and watch it in your pajamas, but it's an opportunity for those who can't make it out, and then we'll trial run this morning and see how it goes. But uh, thankful for those men who've worked so hard uh, to get this all set up and going And uh, trust it'll be a blessing to those who aren't able to get out and worship with us. But um, again, it's not to encourage you to stay home in your pajamas and watch it, but to be used for those who cannot uh, make it out. On the back of your bulletins are the announcements. Uh, We will be meeting on Wednesday night on Zoom at 7 o'clock. If you can join us then. And then the schedule for next Sunday. Hopefully, we're going to go back sometime soon to lunch and an afternoon service. We're st- still trying to think that through. Uh, we are scheduled to have our annual meeting on the 24th, which I take would be in the afternoon. Uh, but we, I haven't worked out all the details of that yet. But keep that in mind. Uh, the, you know, there's a pro-life rally uh, usually every year. Uh, On the second or third Monday of January, but because of the pandemic, you can see the announcement there. They're not having the regular rally, but they are having this lineup and cars going through town led by the sheriff. So all the details are there in your bulletin if you want to come and be a part of that on January the 18th. And then there are the other announcements that are there in your bulletin that you can take heed to as you read through. Through that. Well, now let us give ourselves to the worship of our God together. We read in Psalm 84 these words, How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord Most High! My soul longs, even yearned, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. You know, the psalmists look forward to going to the house of God, to the, to the place of God's special presence, that he might praise him there in the courts of the Lord. And I trust that as we've come together, that's our desire. I, I don't know, but I trust when you pulled in the parking lot, there was a sense of, yes, we're going to meet with God's people and give God praise, and what a joy that is for us. And so would you just take a moment to prepare your hearts to worship our God together and ask him to come and meet with us by the work of his spirit. Well, the psalmist says that his heart and his flesh sing for joy to the living God. And that's what we're going to engage in. So hymn number 27, as we sing of God's faithfulness, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Hymn number 27. Well, before we do that, I'm sorry. See, I've been gone a couple weeks and I get things out of kilter. We're going to stand together and call one another to worship, and then we shall sing. So let us call one another to worship with this responsive reading that comes from Psalm 100, where we read together Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Well, to come into his presence with singing, now we shall do that by singing together, number 27, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
1: Great is Thy Faithfulness. sing. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness.
2: Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, you certainly are a faithful. faithful God. We thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the way that you meet every one of our needs. We thank you, Father, for meeting our greatest need of all, and that is uh, the salvation that we can Find in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the pardoning of our sins and the peace that we can have because of our relationship with you. We pray, Father, that you would help us to reflect more often on your goodness to us and on your faithfulness to us. And we pray, Father, that it might be an encouragement to us to even serve you more and to serve you better. We pray that you would be with us as we gather together now. Thank you for this time that we can meet together. Pray, Lord, that uh, we would truly feel your presence and that we would know we have come here to worship uh, the great God of the universe. Pray that you would be with those who can't be with us physically and draw near to them. And uh, pray, Father, that they might also feel your presence. Pray that you would be with each part of our worship today, our singing, our reading of your scripture, our listening to your word preached. And pray that you might uh, speak to us through that, encourage us. Pray that you might convict us where we need to be convicted. Pray that you would make us better servants of you. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: May
2: be and now turn over to him. Four hundred and
0: eighty-seven. Four hundred eighty-seven. Faith of our fathers, living still, in spite of dungeon, fire, and sword.
1: 487. Faith of our Father's living step.
2: For our consecutive scripture reading this morning, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11, where we will have the uh, opportunity and the blessing to read about uh, the faith of many of these that we just sung of. As we read through this chapter, a very familiar chapter to many people, Uh, it's not enough for us just to know... um, about the history and the faithfulness of these people, uh, but it is something that should spur us on to be faithful in our own lives as we read in verse 6. What's the importance of faithfulness? And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that it is he and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Uh, May we be encouraged to seek him all the more, as we read about the faithfulness of these servants of God and his faithfulness to them, and how they were looking forward to their true home, uh, that being their heavenly rest with the Lord. Chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien, in the land of promise as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob fellow heirs of the same promise for he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God by faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised therefore There was born even of one man and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promise, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles here on the earth. For those who say such things make clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who has received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, "In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God was able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of his, each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, "'Leaning on top of his staff. "'By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, "'made mention of the exodus of his sons of Israel "'and gave orders concerning his bones. "'By faith, Moses, when he was born, "'was hidden for three months by his parents "'because they saw he was a beautiful child "'and they were not afraid of the king's edict. "'By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, "'refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter,' Choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, he was looking forward to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace." And what more shall I say? For time will will fail me if I uh, tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samson and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight." Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and scourging, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us they would not be made perfect." Certainly that which
0: ought to mark our lives as believers is that of faith. We ought to be a people who live by faith and not by sight. And as we read through this chapter together, I couldn't help but take notice of the reality that the, the scriptures are very transparent concerning some of those who live by faith. Some did receive their bed dead back by resurrection But others were tortured, others were mocked and scourged and imprisoned, chained, sawed in two, and yet they lived by faith. And the word of God says of them that this world was not worthy of such. May God help us to live by faith in this fallen world. Well, as we go to prayer this morning, we do want to pray for the sovereign grace Church in Auckland, New Zealand with Pastor Bala. But not only is Pastor Bala the pastor there at the Sovereign Grace Church, but as many of you know, he has a wide range ministry among Tamil speaking people. God is using him to that end as well. So let us seek our God together praying for him. Our Father in heaven, how thankful we are for the great cloud of witnesses that you have set before us. May that encourage us. May that help us to press on. May that help us to be committed to the task that you've given us to do, even as we live in a fallen world. Father, our our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And therefore, may we be found faithful to all that you've called us to be and do as we live in this world. Father, we're thankful for faithful men who labor in various places. And This morning, we do pray for our dear brother, Pastor Bala. We thank you for him. We pray that you'll continue to guide and direct him as he seeks to lead your people of the Sovereign Grace Church there in New Zealand, helping him to be a faithful minister of your word. May he faithfully preach the word in season and out of season. Father, we pray that he would shepherd your people in a way that is pleasing in your sight. But Father, we're also thankful for the opportunities that he has with Tamil speaking people around the world. And we thank you that even during these days of the pandemic, that he's been able to minister to them by way of Zoom or other social media outlets. Father, we think of the upcoming pastoral training courses that will be going forth. We pray that you would bless even the connection, that it would not be interrupted so that that instruction may go on. Father, we're thankful for the Bible lamp, the magazine that goes around the world, And how we pray, Father, that you'll continue to use that to encourage the believers who speak the Tamil language. Father, we we pray as well for other publications that they're engaged in. May you bless and use that for the good of your kingdom. Father, this morning we would as well pray for our nation. There certainly seems to be times of great unrest these seems to be times of great uncertainty. But how we give you thanks that our confidence is in our God who rules and reigns over all things. Father, we're thankful that we're able to gather together this morning unlike many of our brothers and sisters around the world without fear of authorities coming in and seeking to persecute us. We thank you for that privilege. And, Father, how we pray that in our day you might be pleased to restrain the hands of the wicked. Father, how we pray that evil plans and evil plots would not come to pass. But, Father, whatever you're pleased to do, and whatever our future holds... Father, may we be found faithful in living for you. Father, who knows that during these days you might give us greater opportunities to shine as lights in the midst of darkness, that you might give us greater opportunities to speak of Jesus Christ and man's greatest need because of his sin coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray that we would not be cast down or or we would not be sinfully concerned or anxious but that by your grace father we would press on being found faithful and joyfully serving you here upon earth. And so father we pray that even as our nation goes through this transition of authority that father you would be pleased To bring about a revival and a great awakening that only you can do. In times when we would often stand back and say no such thing would ever happen. But yet nothing is impossible with our God. And so we would ask that that would come to pass. May you bless, we pray, our time in your word this morning. May you send your spirit to help us rightly understand and rightly apply your truth to our lives as we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now before we come to open the word of God, take your hymn books again, turning to 491. 491, Jesus calls us over the tumult of our lives wild, restless sea. In other words, as we live in a fallen world and we endure all kinds of challenges, our cry ought to be I'm following Jesus. I'm following Christ. 491. Let's stand as we sing.
1: <clears throat> Jesus calls us or the church of our lives while restless sea. day by day his sweet voice says Christian follow me as of old the apostles heard it by the gall- Toil and kindred Jesus calls us From the worship Of the vain world golden store From each idol That would keep us Saying, Christian, love me more our joy and in our sorrows The toil and hour ease He calls and cares and pleasure love me more than these Calls us by thy mercies I call, give our hearts to thine obedience, love me best of all, Amen. Very
0: good, you can be seated. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. In our study of Colossians, we come this morning to begin this final section of this letter, perhaps better known as final greetings. And here the Apostle Paul introduces us to those who have labored alongside of him. We have here in Colossians 4 starting at verse 7 and going down through verse 18 is a fascinating list of some of these fellow gospel companions of Paul. These were men who stood by him, as we would say, through thick and thin, through good times and hard times, through great moments of ministry and agonizing months in prison. We have this list of names. And and oftentimes when we come to a section like this in the scripture, it may be our tendency simply to read through them as quickly as we can and move on to other things. As though the Apostle Paul, in writing this letter and, and giving us this list of names, it really didn't think it was important. He he just was trying to find a way to to finish this letter. But but dear people, if we believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and, and we do believe that, and that it is profitable, we ought not simply to run through something like this simply to get to the end of the letter and then move on. But we ought to pause... And we ought to pray that that God would give us instruction and help as we read through these things and consider them together so that our walk here on earth would be well-pleasing to our Heavenly Father. And so we have this list of friends. Now remember, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter from prison. And to be a friend of a prisoner could put you in danger by way of association. You could end up imprisoned because you were a friend of a prisoner. And so for these individuals to continue to stand with the Apostle Paul in his imprisonment speaks volumes about these individuals. But but I like the way that Pastor MacArthur puts it. He he refers to these final verses as a group photo. A group photo. He says what you have here at the close of Colossians is a group photograph. Paul signs his letter, and it includes a group photograph. He has, a, he has grouped together in one portrait at the end of this epistle all the people who've helped him in his ministry while he was a prisoner at Rome. And so, we call this section, quote, "...with a little help from my friends." Some of you may be familiar with that. He says, we call this section, with a little help from my friends, because it expresses the very deep down satisfaction in the life of the Apostle Paul that he is able to accomplish in his ministry only because of the faithfulness of many dear friends who have stuck by him and who's been, his, been helpful to him in his ministry. Pastor MacArthur then goes on to say, and in order to use them as an encouragement to the Colossians and to all the churches that would read this letter. So that would include the Reformed Baptist Church of Lenawey. As we read the end of this letter, may God use it to encourage us in days to come. And so this morning, I want us to consider the first man that is mentioned. This man who is a courier of this letter. Some some have referred to him as the mailman. You've got to realize, the Apostle Paul wasn't in prison with his laptop and simply typed out a letter and hit sin and it went out. Someone had to take the letter to the churches. And the man we're considering this morning is a man who was the courier of this letter. His name is Tychicus. Tychicus. I don't know of any other man by the name of Tychicus, but here's a man that the Apostle Paul mentions. Tychicus is mentioned five times in the New Testament. He's mentioned in Acts chapter 20 as one of those who would accompany Paul on his journey. He's mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 4 as one who the apostle would send out to minister to others. As well as in Titus chapter 3 and, and verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to send Titicus or another individual, I, f- I forget who it was now, but one of these two I'm going to send out. So so Titicus was a man who, who Paul had such confidence in that he was able to send him out. He's also mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6 much the same way that he's mentioned in Colossians chapter 4. There's a lot that we don't know about Tychicus. Was he a gifted preacher? Did the Apostle Paul give him opportunities to proclaim the Word? Was he a rich man? Was he a poor man? Was he a well-educated man? There's a lot we don't know about him. But when the Apostle Paul thinks of him, he thinks of this man's character. His character. And so we read, here in Colossians 4, verse 7, As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances, and that it may encourage your hearts. Much of the same thing is said about Tychicus in Ephesians 6. There there is a statement that Paul makes in Ephesians 6 about him, that I I think is very interesting. He says, I'm going to send him to you that he might tell you all things. And some have suggested, though we don't know for sure, some have suggested that perhaps Tychicus was Paul's scribe. He was Paul's secretary. And maybe the Apostle Paul dictated these letters, Colossians and Ephesians and Philemon, to Tychicus. And one might imagine the Apostle Paul writing these letters through Tychicus and and, and, and even as Tychicus is writing some things down, the Apostle Paul perhaps stopping and, and giving him some more detail so that he's able to write to the Ephesians and say, when He comes among you, He'll be able to tell you all things. You, you may have questions as you read this letter, but I, but I believe Tychicus would be such a man who would be able to answer those questions you may have. But, but here in verse 7, there are three things that Paul commends Tychicus for. And so I want us together consider these three things. And we notice what the apostle has to say about him. First of all, he is called a beloved brother. Now, now, as we consider these three things together, I believe that what the Apostle Paul is speaking about is the relationship that Tychicus has first with the Apostle Paul. He's a, a beloved brother. Secondly, his relationship to the ministry. He's a faithful servant. And then thirdly, his relationship to Christ he's a bond servant a fellow bond servant so first of all paul speaks about the relationship of these two men the apostle paul and tychicus and he begins with words of endearment towards this man he says this man is my brother this man is my brother well what does that mean what what's he saying here? Well, if you're down south, everybody calls everybody brother. Hey, brother! Is that sort of what Paul's doing here? Is, is Paul saying Tychicus is my, my, my pal, my, my companion, my, my brother? Well, this terminology comes from the idea of being born of the same womb or having the same father by way of adoption. This relationship that these two men have, have come about because of an adoption that has taken place. Because you see, God not only saves sinners, but He also adopts them. He brings them into His family. A change has taken place with regard to one's legal status. He's gone from slave to son. He's gone from bondage to a, a familial relationship. You see, that the Father so unites believers to His Son that he sees them something as the same way that he sees Jesus. They're my children. My son. Every person united to Christ by faith is not only delivered from the wrath of God, but actually adopted into God's family so, so that we become Brothers and sisters. Everyone united to Christ is a part of God's family. And we ought to consider the importance of the relationship that we have to one another. We ought to cherish that relationship. We ought to want to grow in that relationship. Paul uses this term brother to point to the truth that that we belong to the same Father. And that we're indwelt by the same Spirit. And we need to guard. We need to protect the relationship that we have with one another. We better be very careful when we begin to speak evil of one another. We better be very careful when we begin to listen to what others may say about someone else in our family that need not be said. We better be careful what comes out of our mouths concerning our brothers and sisters. And we ought not to be so quick to cast each other aside. There ought to be great pain and sorrow that would accompany a separation between us as the children of God. It is amazing to me how quickly believers oftentimes just cast each other off or how often we tend to speak of each other in ways that we ought not to speak. How we ought to love each other, cherish one another, seek to build each other up. We are a family. I, I had the opportunity over the last couple of weeks of spending some time with my physical family. I love them. What, what a delight. I mean, I, we're sitting there one night and the grandkids are playing and the kids are talking and Trisha and I are sort of standing on the side and, and I said, we, we are so blessed. We are so blessed. And we ought to have that same love and we ought to treasure one another the same way in light of the relationship that that we have with one another. But Paul not only says he's a brother, but he says he's a beloved brother. He's He's a beloved brother. Paul uses this term, I I believe, only four times in the New Testament. And twice he does it with Tychicus and twice he does it with Onesimus. We can conclude that Paul held Tychicus in, in high esteem. Paul and Tychicus had this wonderful bond, a wonderful relationship with each other. And I believe this has come about because of shared experiences. Those who would oppose them. The spiritual warfare. The desire to see Christ's kingdom advance. Brought these two men together so that they they have a special bond I believe these two men were good for each other's souls. They encouraged one another. There's no doubt in my mind that the Apostle Paul and Tychicus would have spent time together just praying. And somebody put in my mind and I began to think about this but, but I would imagine if, if Tychus, Tychicus was the scribe or the secretary I imagine the two of them sitting there together and the Apostle Paul dictating to Tychicus and speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ and he says these words Here, write this down For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And and, and in my imagination, I imagine Paul pausing and saying, Tychicus, do you recognize that? What a wonderful reality. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. You remember Tychicus when I wrote, when I wrote there, you know that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am chief. That's true. I was a rebel. I was alienated from God, and I imagine Tychicus going, "That's so true, isn't it?" But now in Christ, He's rescued us. We've been rescued. We, we were heading off a cliff and we've been rescued. Now, I don't know if that happened. It, I think it's fascinating to think about because of the relationship that these two men had. And I wonder if they even paused and said, wow, we've, we've got to take some time here just to praise God and thank Him for this. I can remember when I was at Trinity Ministerial Academy. And we were in certain classes, whether Christology or, or the Doctrine of God or some other class. And, and I can remember sometimes looking at a passage of Scripture. And, and, and again, it was an academic setting, so you know, we're sitting there in the class taking notes. And, and I can remember the professor sometimes saying, this is wonderful. Guys, we've just got to stop and just thank God for these wonderful truths. And I wonder if that's happened between these two. They had that special bond that sought each other's good spiritually. Because of their relationship, there's instilled a deeper hunger for Christ, a deeper hunger for His Word, a greater pursuit towards godliness. Now stop and think for a moment. Think about relationships that you have. Friendships that you have. Are you good for each other's souls? Because of your friendship, do you stir one another up to have a deeper love for Christ? And a deeper love for His Word? I have a dear friend who's probably two or three weeks, unless God's pleased to work a miracle, to being ushered out of this world into the next. And I've struggled. I told my wife the other day, I don't know why I'm struggling so much. With the fact that in all likelihood, I'm going to lose this dear friend in the next couple weeks. And then as I was studying Paul and Tychicus, it, it came to my mind, because this man has been a great instrument in my life to ever draw me closer to Christ. I can remember 39 years ago, sitting in the car with this man several Thursday nights, and talking about the things of God and then praying together. I I, I can remember him calling and and talking about the struggles that he's going through and and, and we talk our way through it and and he's one of the men that I would call in the midst of my struggles and and share with him what I was going through And, and he would take the Word of God and encourage me he, he is a beloved brother. And we need to cherish beloved brothers. And we need to be beloved brothers. Because we need each other. We do. And here's one man that Paul mentions is his beloved brother. But then secondly, notice he is called... A faithful servant. A faithful servant. And here I believe Paul has in mind Tychicus's relationship with the ministry, with the work that God's given them to do. He is called a servant. The term that is used is the term Diakamos, which is where we get the word deacon. It is one who 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 serves at, at, at the pleasure of another. He, he's one that gets something done at, at the prompting of a superior. This term servant has the idea of one under the authority, one under authority, one who acts in accordance to the express will and interest of the one over him, he acts according to the express will and the interest of one over him. He's not working to advance his own name, he's not working for an advancement, he's not trying to climb some corporate ladder. He's not working to gain a better reputation for himself. He's a man who is simply pursuing to do the will of the authority to the best of his ability. To advance his master's cause. He is given a task to perform and he is working to fulfill that assignment. That, that's the idea of... Of a servant, of a servant. In Romans chapter sixteen and verse one, Paul writes, "I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church. She's a servant of the church." Paul says, "We recognize this woman for her gifts and graces." And she is marked out as a woman who has been so beneficial to the church. She performed a definite function for the church. Her role had great significance for the body of believers. She, she was one who, who saw a task and understood that it would advance her master's agenda and kingdom, and she gave herself to that task. How big a task it was? Who all knew about the task? I don't know. But she gave herself to the task. And so we have Tychicus, who was a servant. He, he was a man who gave himself to the work of God. How big was his role? Well, we know that he was quote-unquote the mailman. How well known was he? I don't know. Did he have a lot of money? Did he have a lot of gadgets? Did he have a lot of things? I don't know. I I don't think he got in his brand new RV and went traveling down the road. I, I imagine he either rode on a donkey or walked or whatever the day might bring, but... But you know what? He saw there was work to do, and he did it. He did it. And no believer can fully comprehend the significance of a small task faithfully performed as a servant of God. You don't know the significance that you can have for the good of the church and the glory of God by faithfully performing the smallest of tasks. Tychicus was not an apostle Paul. He did not write long letters that we continue to read. But when the Apostle Paul thought of men who were so helpful to him, this man comes to mind. But not only was he a servant, but he is a faithful servant. He's a faithful servant. Paul could trust him with the task. Here's what I want you to know. Paul stood in need of help. He needed help. He could not execute all the responsibilities placed on him by himself. Therefore, he needed helpers. He needed people to come along beside him and help him with his task. And this reality is true for most people in leadership. They need help. In Acts chapter 6, the apostles came to see their need for helpers. Some widows were being neglected. And they felt the weight of that responsibility. We need to care for them, but how do we care for them and still take care of this? It's all our responsibility. And so they looked out among themselves and chose seven men who would be able to give themselves to that task. Paul needed Tychicus. And in Tychicus... Paul found a man who was faithful, a man who was dependable, a man who he could trust. Let me say it this way that there are some who just don't get the job done. But that's not him. That word faithful means worthy of trust. Paul's saying, when he calls him a faithful servant, Paul's saying, this is a man who I can give a task to and be assured that he would get it done in a timely way and he would do it well. I can depend on him. He will do what he says. He he won't simply say something and then not do it, but he will do it. He's a a proven man. I mean, Paul had such trust in him that he sent him out with letters. He sent him out to help others. He was a proven man, a faithful man. Dear people, we have a task to do. We have a task to do. And may God ha- find us faithful in even the smallest task. J.C. Ryle says this: "The world's idea of greatness is to rule, but Christian greatness consists in serving. Consists in serving." And there, in Luke chapter sixteen, the, there's the the. Parable of the unjust manager. It's a, it's a very unique parable. Hard to get your head wrapped around all that's being said in that parable. But at the end of the day, I believe what Christ is teaching us in that parable is this. You be faithful in even the smallest of tasks. If the wicked world, if the wicked men take the smallest of tasks and and pursue it with such diligence to bring about their own selfish end, how much more should we as believers be diligent in whatever task God's given to us for a blessed end? So to be found faithful in little things, as we read there in Luke 16.10, he who is faithful in very little things is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in very little things is unrighteous also in much. J.C. Ryle again says, Our Lord teaches us the great importance of strict faithfulness about little things. About little things. So whatever the task God set before you, whatever opportunities God's given to you, you may say, well, you know, I, I would be more diligent and, and I would like it more if, if I could just stand behind the pulpit and, and be able to have everybody's attention and talk to everybody and be seen by everybody, uh, you know, I'd be faithful. But my, my task seems so small. It seems so Insignificant. My friends, if you're faithful in that small, what looks to be insignificant task, God will take note. He will not forget. And the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. I think in in heaven... Some, some individuals who, who seem to be so insignificant with regard to the task God's given them to do here upon earth will be more recognized than some men who, are, who have great prominence among others concerning their religious thoughts and preaching. God wants us to be found faithful. At the end of the day, he's not going to say to us, Well done. I've got you down here for winning 256 souls to Christ. Oh, uh, well done. I see here that you attended, let's see, you were in church, wow, 410 weeks consistently without missing. No, he'll look at us, and what we want to hear him say is, Well done. What? Good and faithful servant. And that's Tychicus. And finally, he is called my fellow bond servant. And here, I believe Paul's writing about the relationship that Tychicus has with Christ. With Christ. It's interesting that in in God's sovereign assignment. Paul is of a higher position in the church than Tychicus. Paul was an apostle. Tychicus was what? He was a mailman. Nothing wrong with being a mailman. But he wasn't an apostle. However, here Paul says, you know, at the end of the day, at the heart of what makes us tick, the the, the driving force behind all that we do Tychicus and I are the same. We're fellow bondservants. Tychicus and I voluntarily and determinately want to be slaves of Jesus Christ. Tychicus, my beloved brother, my faithful servant, share with me the reality that that we are bond slaves of Jesus Christ. We are both driven by a passion to have Jesus known, loved, served, and esteemed. We are both driven by, by a desire to see His cause advance. We are His slaves. And dear people, If we're going to be found faithful, then we must voluntarily and determinately find ourselves slaves of Jesus Christ. He's my master. We need to be driven by a passion that in everything we do, we want Christ exalted how I react, how I behave, what I do, what I say. I want my Lord exalted. It's not about me. It's not about my reputation. It's not about my standing. It's not about who recognizes me. I want them to know Christ. To be a bondservant means I put to death my own concerns. I put to death my own name, my own reputation, my own position, and make it my top priority, the advancement of Christ's name. Through this man, we are challenged... To consider our lives. And what is it that marks our lives? What is it that can be said of us? If Paul's writing a letter to another church and he mentions you and me by name, what will follow? What follows? couldn't help but think what a what a wonderful epitaph put on my tombstone beloved brother faithful servant and fellow bond servant since paul mentions tychicus in acts 20 and he mentions him again in Second Timothy, many believe Second Timothy was the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. So if he's mentioned in Acts 20, and he's mentioned again in Second Timothy, in all likelihood these two men spent a majority of their adult life, or at least a majority of their Christian life together. And here's what Paul says of him. He didn't say he was a great orator. He didn't say he was a great giver. Didn't say he was a great cook. But he said this man is a beloved brother, a faithful servant, and a fellow bondservant. And what about us? What will be said of us? May by God's grace we learn from this man. And by His grace may something close to this be said of us when it comes to the end of our days. Let's pray. Again, our God, we thank You for even introducing us to this man Tychicus. And Father, we pray that as we've examined His life, what is known of Him, Father, we pray that each one of us may be challenged in where we are, what we're doing, how, how will be how will be we be helpful to our friends in 2021? How, how will we give ourselves to the task? that we ought to be performing in 2021? Whose name or reputation is it that that we're pursuing are we found as slaves, humble slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Master? Father, there are some here this morning who have no interest in these things because they don't know You. And we pray that even this morning, by the work of Your Spirit, they would see that the things of this world will only decay and rust or be stolen. But how, Father, You provide us that which is eternal through Your Son, Jesus Christ, and that today would be a day of salvation. Father, for those of us who do know You, we pray that we might pursue these things. Where we have been lax, may we be quick to confess and forsake our sin. And by Your grace, where we've been diligent, may we continue to be so. So take Your Word and use it in our lives and do us good, we pray, as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Take your hymn books and turn to 186. 186. It's a familiar hymn. When I survey the wondrous cross, oftentimes when we sing this hymn, the, the verse that, that I really like the most is the last verse. where the hymn writer says, Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, and my all demands my all. Christ's love for me demands everything. May we be found faithful in pursuing that. 186. Let's stand together as we sing.
1: When I survey the wondrous cross Princes of